Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about the marketing mindset. My favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I know folks in my world are allergic to the word marketing. So I usually talk about it's true, yes. And the reason why, here's why, is because you don't see good marketing and you do see bad marketing. So the only kind of marketing they see is the bad kind. Because the good kind you don't Mm. notice. And I, mm. I just got off a coaching call with someone where we were talking about, uh, oh, this is, this is, I think this is interesting. It's worth the, it's worth the journey. So stick with me here. Um, we were talking about 3d rendering, being able to replace product photography. So like normally in a, in a product shoot, you've got, you know, a whole bunch of people show up at a location. You've got photographers and their staff, you've got creative directors and people like that from, the client and they all go to a place and let's say the product is a sink they might have to build half a house inside of a inside of a hangar to mm-hmm. light and they've got equipment hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment and materials and carpenters and electricians and all of that stuff to take a picture of a sink so and, and what he does he's like a 3d artist and he can make all that stuff by himself in his you know on a mediocre laptop with no internet connection and when he's done and shows it to the client, he renders things out to the client, they can they can say, you know what, actually, can you change the lighting? Can you change the backsplash so that it's a different color? And they can make changes after they already see the picture that Photoshop could never do. You could never do in Photoshop. So that, you know, mm. they'd have to reshoot and all that stuff. And so the thing is, he did some stuff recently that looked so real that I thought it was real. I was like, how come, how come you posted those pictures? And he's like, no, those are renders. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It was so real. And what, and so here's the point. The point is that probably a lot of potential clients for him don't realize that they could replace product photography with 3D art that is much more flexible, much easier and cheaper to create. But they don't probably think of it because the 3D renders they see are all the bad ones because you can tell it's 3D. It's, you can tell it's a bad oh, render. Oh, okay. So you see all these bad renders, you know, like the terrible AR or like goofy, like goofy stuff, like mm-hmm. that just looks like garbage. And there are other things that are 3D renders that they think are pictures. So they go, we want pictures like these. It's like, those aren't pictures. Those are 3D renders. <laughs> and so the point is that, that good 3D rendering is invisible. You think it's a photo and bad 3D rendering makes you think all 3D rendering is bad because you can tell it's a 3D render. Mm -hmm. Same thing with marketing. Good marketing is invisible. Bad marketing is visible. It's that sleazy used car salesman, you know, and the sort of Mm -hmm. pushy, you know, endless spam um, uh, text messages and and self-serving emails and all this, you know, like, hey, nice to meet you. Um, Here's a link to all my portfolios and uh, you want to give me a bunch of money? (laughs) It's just terrible. Like there's no relationship there. It's kind of like, nice to meet you. What should we name our kids? So that, that's the bad marketing. So, and and I know a lot of folks in my universe, you know, they're, they don't spend a lot of time on marketing. They don't want to because they think that will turn them into this sleazy used car salesman. When the reality is uh, a lot of them do marketing and they don't even realize they're doing it. Things like, you know, in the software space, things like uh, creating an open source repo and making it public. 
or doing screencasts on YouTube, free screencasts on YouTube of like how to do some complicated, oh, I don't know, uh, import or um, continuous integration pipeline or, you know, some, something that just like, oh, this is a cool thing I want to share back to the community. And whether you like it or not, that is marketing. You know, that's content marketing, really, educational content mm-hmm. marketing. You might not view it that way. You might see it as contributing back to the community. And, and the important thing to realize is there's no difference. Exactly. So if you're doing, if you have this marketing mindset and you think about it in that way, it's actually fun instead of like pulling teeth. It can be fun because you're just helping people at scale. And along the way, it raises awareness of what your unique superpowers are. And people who want to jump to the front of the line are going to say, hey, you know, your whatever, your YouTube series or your email series or your free course or any of that stuff. That was amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one. But what I'd really like to do is um, I haven't got a lot of time and I have a lot of money. Can I just pay you to do this for me? Or can I just pay you to come in and teach my entire team how to do it? Or can I just pay you to whatever, accelerate your their progress in some way? Uh, anyway, so there's like this stigma around marketing and I know it because I felt it when I when I started getting more into positioning and, and publishing on a daily basis. And uh, it takes a while to it takes a while to, to kind of like, I guess, convince is the right word, convince someone that they don't have to be sleazy to do marketing if they're going to do it in the right way. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I agree with all that. It makes sense to me. And I can I can feel that mindset. Um, I have a cohort of people in in my audience that are similar in some ways, but different. So they're not necessarily highly technical, but they worry about their relationship with the client. So they're working with like Fortune 500 style clients mm-hmm. and they they feel the same in the sense that they don't want to be sleazy. They don't want to be too pushy. Um, and so what they do is they stand back, say, oh, well, no, I'm not really going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, have that conversation. I'm not going to share this information. It's a leap for them. And the way that I usually get somebody over that, that chasm is when you think about, and, and you and I've talked about this before on the show and we, sometimes put different labels on it, but I kind of think of it as the journey from freelancer to consultant to authority, mm-hmm. right? So when you're a freelancer and you're getting work from people you know, you maybe think, oh, you know, marketing's not a big deal. I just want to know where my next project is coming from, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And then after you've done that for a while, you're like, oh, I think maybe I need to systematize this so that I'm not always wondering, you know, where my next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and you start to develop a, a cons- consultative approach. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, I've got to invest some time and energy into marketing in quotes. Mm-hmm. So it's that, I mean, that's how I think about it is it's, it's obviously you have to have a marketing mindset to jump all the way to authority, mm-hmm. but marketing is fun. Yeah. It's sharing your expertise and your mission, right? This transformational change you want to make in your audience. It's sharing it with the world. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I love that you, that you started with that sort of three tiered, uh, life cycle, uh, where the, the, at the beginning, the freelancer, they generally don't have an entrepreneurial or a business owner's mindset. They generally have an employee mindset and because, you know, they're new to it. It's maybe the yeah. first time they've been, they've not had a boss, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they copy a lot of the things that they did in 
their when they were employed full time and they and it's this feeling of like I just want to do my work. I just want to focus on my work. I don't want to have to do all that other stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. like it's like well that's that that's the thing you left behind. Like if you don't want to do the other stuff, air quotes, then go back to your job. Get a job, yeah. Right. But if you're a freelancer, you're running your own business and businesses have CMOs for a reason. Because that is a key key function of a business. You know, Drucker says there are only two value creation uh, centers in a business, innovation and marketing, and everything else is a cost. And it took me years to, under, to to agree with that. But it's, you know, one day it finally, the light bulb came on and I was like, wow, that's true. So if you do, if you are going to go, you know, jump ship from in-house and go solo, you're starting a business. And there are certain things about business that you have to do or the business is going to fail. You know, like, I don't yeah. know tracking your finances, paying your taxes and, you know, things like that. Yeah. But also, you know, marketing is, it, marketing comes in a million different forms, but you have to do it, whether it's, whether it's, um, you know, systematized networking to your friends and colleagues or just something sharing on social media. There's got to be something you're doing to make the people who you can, uh, there are people whose condition you can improve if they do not know you exist then you can't help them. So to mm -hmm. not to not let them know that you can help them is is super arrogant. Like you just imagine that they're going to somehow make the mental leap to and just come to your door. You know, yes. like, like yes. it's super arrogant to think that people are just going to magically understand that you're the person that they need to give money to. And and here you are. You could help them. It's like you're, it's like you're, you know, you're walking down the beach and there's someone drowning and you're like, oh, I don't want to bother them. Like I can swim and I could save them, but I don't want to bother them. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, imagine that your, your ideal clients are suffering from something or they have some big dream that they don't know how to reach and, and you can help keeping that to yourself is, you know, just to put, to put too fine of a point on it. It's a kind of theft because you're preventing them or you're uh, uh, I'm overstating it but yeah the point is that that you're withholding something that's really valuable to the world mm -hmm. and you don't do anybody any favors by holding it in mm -hmm. especially you right right <laughs> you're not so, helping them and you're not helping yourself yeah I was talking to someone yesterday on uh, interviewing for ditching hourly and you know um, he's you know in his 60s really accomplished expert in his field, lots of, um, you know, I never met him before, but you know, from the testimonials and feedback and referrals that he gets, I know that he's good because he's, you know, because people are just piling work on him. Uh, he had a terrible pricing model, so he's drowning, but, uh, but just, I know from, from the feedback from third parties that this guy must be great at what he does. And, you know, it was like, well, what's, what's, and, and I came up with here, here are five things that you could do to change that. And he's like, you know, mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, I, intellectually, I know what you're saying is true. Um, but I have this like fear and the way he phrased it was of letting his light shine, you know, kind of like yeah. taking things to the next level yep. and playing on a bigger ball field, so to speak. Yep. And, uh, and the main, the, my advice for someone in that situation 
and this relates to marketing, my advice in that situation is to, is, is like, yes, it's never not going to be scary. So get used to that. And the thing that helps, that can help, it certainly helps me and I've seen it help other people too, to get the courage to, to act in the face of fear. That's what courage is acting in mm-hmm. face of fear, not lack of fear is to have a bigger mission. You know, so if you're, for example, terrified of public speaking or, or, or starting a podcast or a mailing list or putting yourself out there to do webinars or v- vlogging, whatever the thing is, it scares everybody for a variety of reasons. Uh, but if you're, if you do, if you spend the time to figure out like, well, what is the mission I'm on? Why did I decide to do all the activities that I do every day? It probably rolls up to some big picture thing that aligns with your values and so forth. If you can identify that and articulate it and then um, do these activities in service of that mission, I find that it gives people a lot of courage to be like, well, maybe maybe I'm not good enough to do this, but the mission is important enough that I'm going to do it anyway. And if it's not perfect, so be it. If I don't do it, no one else, no one's going to. So and it looks like I'm the one. Yeah, I, I think of that as, as the emotional connection, right? Because when we're doing this kind of work, we have to have an emotional connection to what we're doing or we're not going to stick with it. And then the flip side is what we want to do with good marketing is we want to get an emotional response in our audience. Mm-hmm. And you know, one way to do that, I think of it as, as purity almost, right? Is that you've got this, this mission and you know what it is you want to get done. You may not know exactly how yet. I mean, you have a plan, you're working the plan, but it's, it's people can see that you're about the service in service to the mission. There's a purity of it that people can see. And I think, um, most people see that and catch on really fast. Mm-hmm. We tend to identify the users and abusers pretty quickly. And we see the people who are really there for the mission, who are right. there for us, the people in their audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about last time the you know, you can feel when you're in a funnel, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's like it's, it has a it has a different feel to it. I mean, I look, I my probably my favorite, uh, or the, the marketing person who I find myself most aligned with is Seth Godin. And his definition of marketing is, he says, the purpose of marketing is to cause change. So if you start there, and th- I mean, that's a great way to, that's a great marketing mindset. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm here to, to transform culture. I'm here to change somebody's behavior or actions. So, you know, things like, like raising money for a nonprofit or uh, changing people to have a healthier lifestyle. It's marketing that's going to make that happen. It's mm-hmm. not your, it's, it's, it's not your, with, you might have a product or service that's going to make that happen, but no one's going to know about it if <laughs> exactly. you don't do the marketing. Exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting when you think about the things we've said so far. So we've talked about good marketing and mm-hmm. I, and I think we need to talk more about marketing mindset, but so good marketing is invisible, mm-hmm. right? It's helping your audience in some way. Mm-hmm. It's. There's a transformation or, or a sharing of this transformational outcome. There's an emotional connection. And there is the some kind of a service aspect that the marketing that you're doing is providing a service to the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what so what's more mindset that you think is important? Well, I think to me it's 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 having a mindset that one, marketing is good. 
<laughs> okay, that's the first one. And maybe for some people, that's where you have to start. Oh, marketing is good. Marketing is not evil. <laughs> it's, not, it's marketing is good. Mm-hmm. And identifying your mission and what outcome you want is critical to have your marketing work. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Have your mission and understand what's the transformation that you want to make in your audience. What's the change that Seth Godin refers to? Let me interject something right there because that's a great point. A lot of people who I work with who despise the idea of marketing, they haven't got past the mindset of like, because I need more money. Mm. So they don't want to do, they, their goal is to make more money and they don't want to do marketing to make more money because that makes them feel sleazy and it should. Because the marketing that you would do to make more money is that gross kind of, I feel like I'm in a funnel, pushy salesman stuff. So if you step back and you think like there's a mission to accomplish, like you this is the point I'm, I'm piggybacking on. Once you can identify that and actually you care about it, making the money part is going to be a side effect. And there's you need to have like a trust. There's a sort of leap of faith there that like, oh, if, if I make progress toward my mission, then society is going to reward me. And the way that society rewards people is with money and other things, but money is one of them. So that I think those two things to talk about mindset, that thing right there is, is huge because if you are just out to make more money, then yeah, your marketing is going to smell like that. Well, maybe a way to think about it is short-term versus long-term, because we Mm -hmm. know that in order to fund the mission, you have to make money. But what happens is if if we go into an, um, a specific marketing exercise with the goal of, I need to make $50,000 from this, that tends not to work <laughs> for right. all the reasons you just said. So long-term, yes, it's fine to have a goal to make money. But when you're marketing, the goal needs to be about the, the, the group of people that you're trying to help. Mm-hmm. The transformation, and, yep. Yeah, I mean, if you keep your eye on that, and you, you're not forgetting the money long term, because we're not suggesting that you're social workers, and that um, you should live in poverty so that you can achieve the mission. What we're saying is, I think what we're saying, you can see if you agree, Jonathan, is yes, money is the goal. But when you align everything, including your marketing with the mission, and that mission is about helping a specific group of people with a specific situation or problem, then all will be well. Yeah. Like to me, to me, the money comes in when I think, okay, I could package up this next thing that I'm thinking of doing. Like I see, I see a, a sub need, you know? So like if the mission is to rid the world of hourly billing and one of the things you need to do is be well positioned in order to um, get there, then, okay, maybe I need to educate people more about positioning. I could write a book, I could make a course, I could do a workshop, I could, you know, Mm -hmm. that's when the money starts to come in. Then I think, okay, I see the need, I see the transformation, people need to be to to get better, clearer in their positioning, or they're never going to break through. So how am I going to package that in a way that's going to have the maximum impact, least cost, and most uh, upside, most profit or most revenue. And those are, that's where I start to think about it where Mm -hmm. it's like maybe I decide to do it as a book or a course or a workshop or some other way or one-on-one or, you know, so when it, but the packaging thing, like if you're, if you have an audience and you're leading them to this destination, that's, 
that stuff kind of feels like it figures it's it's like a secondary it's like it's like almost anybody can help you with that like how should i package it like what should the next product or service that i release mm-hmm. be and how much what should it's I price more it obvious at? it's obvious right um it's it's much less obvious how to get that how to build the audience in the first place picking the mission building the audience around that in the first place or finding one that that people care about and then getting them moving forward with you that's the hard part if once you have that the other stuff is is like it's not that hard yeah it kind of unrolls in front of you it's the path it reveals it's like it's yeah it's like you're literally walking and the path is unrolling in front of you Mm -hmm. i think of like a big world of sod you know and, and here's the carpet of grass in front of you yes um, I think the other thing that strikes me about a marketing mindset is this idea of, for want of a better word, I'm going to call it leverage. It doesn't sound very mm-hmm. sexy, but yeah. um, what I, I've worked with people where they they agree that they need to do marketing, and so and marketing in the expertise field often looks like content marketing, mm-hmm. and so they get on this um, this habit of producing content. And after a while, let's say they do like that it's a blog post that they share via email and they do it once a week and they just keep doing it. Right. And so it becomes, uh, what do I want to say? It becomes so routine that they don't think about leveraging that. And so then they'll say, oh, I think I need to do a podcast or Mm -hmm. I think I need to do this video series or I think I need to do these articles. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's about taking what you're already doing or what you've already done and thinking about different ways, different formats, different platforms to deliver that message. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe I should distribute this to a wider audience. Oh, yeah, maybe I should have a, I should share this in LinkedIn or I should start to develop an audience in Twitter or share some of this with my pals on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I should take this, Oh, this is a classic. Somebody spends dozens of hours creating a white paper and it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But guess what? A whole lot of people are not going to read it. Right. So what's in that white paper that you can slice and dice into other forms of content that are more accessible? Mm-hmm. So it's that leverage. And you know we've talked about this before, I think. And Todd Tresseter, when he was on the show, talked about leveraging. But one of the things he does in his content that I just adore is he links all kinds of stuff. He's got sort of cornerstone content pieces. And yeah. then within those, like if, you, if you're interested in that topic and it's a four-page article, he'll give you eight links to other things that are related to that. And it's, I love going down his rabbit holes. <laughs> They're fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, it's this idea of leveraging. And when you have that mindset that literally everything you produce that doesn't bomb <laughs> has potential to be used in other ways, it's it starts to make your life, your marketing life easier. Yeah. Yeah, Philip Morgan calls those tentpole content pieces. Mm-hmm. And once you have that, you can... Uh, sort of, um, there's two things you could do. One is you can sprinkle it into more bite-sized pieces that make sense in different areas. Um, and Gary V talks about that. He's, he's got like, a, I mean, he's got a team of people doing this, so it's 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 probably more than the average solopreneur can undertake on their own. But he'll do like a you know hour, two hour long keynote video, record the whole thing, and then have his team kind of like atomize it into a million quotes that then they they publish in like 30 different social media platforms 
it's like uh, it's a machine and you know mm-hmm. obviously it works but the idea of having to create everything from scratch every time I don't I don't it's it, exhausting it's yeah it's not necessary because most people didn't see it <laughs> the first time. <laughs> And the, another way to think of it is, you know, because you're probably not going to share, you know, you're not going to turn everything into like native content for LinkedIn and TikTok and Twitter and YouTube and your mailing list and a blog right. and Medium. And it's a lot of work, but you can be strategic about wh- who you're trying to reach and where they probably are. So I, I think of this like back back in the day when I was a uh, solo singer songwriter and I used to expend a lot of effort uh, mailing out, you know, creating, designing, producing at a Kinko's 500 postcards, physical postcards and stamping them and mailing them. And then 10 people show up to a show and I would be like, you know, I would get really frustrated with that. (laughs) So, so instead of trying to get the people to come to where I wanted to play, I changed my model and I said, I'm going to go to where the people already are. And so I would go downtown on you know, at noon, lunch break time in Providence and just play on the street and sell CDs. And I'd have hundreds, maybe a thousand or more people here, you know, stop and listen and maybe throw some money in my, whatever. The point is, I brought the content to where the people already are instead of trying to drag Mm -hmm. the people from their couches to a club at, you know, nine at night. So that's a marketing mindset. Where are your people? And they're not all going to be... I mean, the ideal is to me, it is that your website is your central repository of all of your content. But that doesn't mean you can't publish it in other places. Yep. Yeah. So if your people are on Medium or Reddit or LinkedIn or TikTok or Twitter or YouTube, because they all have a different vibe, they all have a different... You know, whatever is more mm-hmm. comfortable for you is is something to consider. But if your people aren't there, then don't go there. So if you're trying to reach CIOs, don't go to TikTok probably. Right? You can probably <laughs> well, skip people, that one. People plus brand. It's like, where is your brand comfortable? Like if you're not comfortable with images, stay the heck off Instagram. You're going to yeah. look terrible. Right. But it's your people have to be there too. Right. So it's both. So you yeah. want to be comfortable in the media. So like I'm super comfortable in Twitter, but honestly, my uh, my yeah, I guess my people aren't really there though. It's people they're not there for the reason that I care about. I, I share stuff there just because it's easy to automate. But uh, uh, wait, wait, I just want to I just want to interrupt for a second because I think there's more of them than you're giving yourself credit for because people book. I think of it as uh, Twitter is great for media people and obviously big media, big well-known journalists, but people find podcast guests on Twitter. They look for them. So oh, it's I, useful. It's definitely yeah. useful. Oh, yeah. I think there's, I just want to make sure we're not poo-pooing Twitter. It's, you know, Twitter's been a playground the last six months for mm-hmm. sure. But there's a lot of um, media-centric activities that happen on Twitter that might be just right for your audience. Yeah. That, well, that's the that's the thing. It's like I find myself comfortable there. I don't get a lot of I don't get a lot of activity on Twitter. That is is my point. But that doesn't mean you, dear listener, wouldn't. Um, it's really about like where are you comfortable? Where do you understand the social norms of the platform? Because they're all different, mm, a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. And and are your people there? And if you're if either one of those things isn't true, you can probably ignore that particular channel and go find one that where your people are and then get comfortable with it so like i said maybe yes. it's reddit or i mean wherever it, it could be it could be it could be the comments it could be product comments on amazon there could who knows like it depends mm-hmm. on who you're following 
uh, who you're trying to attract. So if you, you know, go where they are is kind of the, kind of the, the point I think we're trying to make there in terms of syndicating your content in, in places that are going to be effective. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, once you, you know who you are, you know what your mis- mission is, you know what kinds of content you like to share. Sometimes you can experiment with a newer platform to you where maybe your theoretical competitors aren't there yet. I mean, Instagram's an interesting place for expertise people because we know Instagram, there's plenty of things there on fashion and beauty and design and, and celebrity gossip and yoga and uh, fitness. I mean, those are all obvious. They're all um, really visual. But there's a lot of people that are using Instagram Instagram in some really interesting ways to share their expertise. Mm-hmm. There is a way more people doing that right now than you might think. So again, I think my point is if you have a marketing mindset, you're kind of you kind of got your radar going all the time. You're like and so, oh, Instagram, hmm, I wonder what that is. Oh, TikTok, I wonder would that work for me? Um that's that's what we're talking about is just being aware and having it on your radar all the time. Yeah. Yep. Keeping keeping that uh antenna up looking for new things. I do have a new sea shanty course that I might launch on TikTok. That would be what is probably. this sea shanty thing? <laughs> is that like talk like a pirate day? No, it's you know it's like a sort of Irish sounding wailing song. If I could <laughs> if I could remember one, I'd sing it right now. But thankfully, somehow it it got out of oh, my darn. head. Oh darn! Yeah, it's like oh the wellermen come in. The, you know, blah, oh blah, blah. Yeah, 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 a true yeah. sea yeah sea shanty. Yeah, it's and they're hilarious. It's it is really funny, but uh, and and entertaining, but. Anyway, um, that's not going to age well. So let's see, where, where can we go next? So the marketing mindset, uh, have we emphasized enough that it's, that, that it's about helping other people like, and that, that if you trust that that is going to lead to, uh, funding opportunities, revealing themselves that well, yeah, a safe I, way. I, I guess what I was thinking about with that is. What it is, it's taking the best parts of what's in your head and helping other people with it. And so for some people, that might be showing them something very specific, like mm-hmm. um, how, like to use your earlier example, how do you shoot um, product photography? Like what's involved in that for brands? What do you do? And something very specific. And there's, in fact, there's a guy that... Uh, that uh, writes in YouTube's about that and gets really technical and all of his the the equipment that he uses. So that that might be it for one person. For another person, like a Seth Godin, it's going to be about let me see if I can just get you to think a little differently yeah. about about this thing today under this you know larger scheme of marketing. It's it's serving, but it's serving in the way that's best for you. So like when I work with a strategist. Um, and they want to share tactical stuff. It's okay to share some tactical stuff, but it has to be tied to something strategic, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to follow your kind of, and when I say brand, I mean your style of the way that you deliver your expertise, your wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so-, so if you suddenly started like showing pretty pictures every day, I would have a disconnect. That wouldn't feel like. If I uh, did that. Yeah. If you did that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That would feel off. Yeah, that's why I'm not. That's why I'm not on Instagram, 
Because I don't, I would like me on Instagram would be taking pictures of something scrawled on a sticky note and posting that. Like I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So <laughs> that actually might be kind of funny. But I, <laughs> I think there's somebody on on there that does that. But yeah, Alton Brown does that on Twitter. But anyway, the 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 thing for me, and I I don't know if this is a general rule or if it's just for me, but I think it might be a general rule, which is the the stuff when you're sharing, share, 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 like. Uh, people are always saying to me, like, what things should I keep back and what things should I share? And I'm like, nothing. Don't keep anything back. Share your biggest insights. You, that's what you mm-hmm. want. If you're keeping your biggest insights back, then you're just making, you're just playing on hard mode. You're imagining people are going to magically connect the dots between. Wait, wait, wait. Say, 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 what do you mean by hard mode? Can you explain that? You are marketing in a, less effectively than you could be. Uh, okay. So you're just making things harder for yourself by keeping your your big idea secret. Mm. If you if you so, but then people are like, well, if I give away my big idea, how am I going to make any money? And my reply to that is, no one's going to understand how to implement it. Yeah. Oh, the people who I mean, some people might, and then they don't need you anyway. So you didn't lose them. Um, and and for them to pay you like some astronomical amount of money for you to to just say one sentence and it changes their whole worldview and then they run off and implement it themselves. It's like, I, I don't need that money. The money, yeah. you know, cause they're, they're self, they just needed the idea. It's like, you know, the, the candle metaphor where it doesn't cost me anything to light somebody else's candle. I, I, I lose no flame. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. So I'll just light candles all day long. And eventually someone's going to be like, I, I totally got the insight. I totally see what you're talking about. It's changed the way I view my entire business, but I don't know what to do. So someone is always going to want to help have you uh, kind of hold their hand and walk them through the implementation, like the the fallout of seeing the new, of seeing the light. Just because you saw the light doesn't mean you know where to go, like how to walk down the path. Yes, yes. Well, so, and I think the other thing is there's this feeling when we don't share that it's because we're, you know, we're saving the really good stuff for our clients. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes what we think is the really good stuff isn't. Yeah. Right? Sometimes the really good stuff is just an execution of something. And a lot of people can do that. And by sharing it, what's going to happen is it's going to evolve because you're going to see what works and what maybe doesn't work so well. It's part of the evolution and we all do it and we we keep evolving. I mean, there isn't anybody I can think of on a big stage who stayed on the big stage who hasn't evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the and the the other th- the the thing that you learn when you share that stuff, like you share a big idea and then 100 people are like that's amazing, but how do I apply it to my actual situation? You're going to, you know, across those 100 people, you're probably going to come up with 10 different ways to implement it. So that's a different kind of expertise that's that you probably doesn't make sense to share because it's so specific. Um, you, I suppose you could, but it's going to be it's going to be just attractive to a smaller audience. But that's the kind of stuff that that that's an example of how it makes you better because you have this idea and people are like, oh, man, that's amazing. But what do I do now? And then there's different things you do depending on their situation. Like, is it someone who's just started freelancing or is it someone who runs a firm with 10 employees? You're going to have different tactical steps based on this revelation. So, but the, the point I want to get to about, um, about this is that sharing, sharing, don't hold anything back, share everything you can. It's automatically going to be 
generalized because you're talking to a large audience, even if you're laser focused on like software developers, it's still going to be general, uh, too, too general for people to have like a step-by-step plan. Um, but the, the thing that I don't, the thing that I, I would warn people against, you, you want to share all that stuff, but you want to do it in a way that is leveraged and scales and um, it doesn't require time. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like automatically have a whole bunch of one-on-one private phone calls with people to answer their questions because that just doesn't scale. I would go out right. of business and I wouldn't be able to help anybody. So I'm really picky about the ways and the channels that I share through and the, the formats, like the formats that I use to share these ideas uh, that I think are going to help people. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, attract people who the, the 1% who actually want to spend some money to accelerate their progress. So you, so I guess that what I was getting to was that there's a, I think, I think this is a, a good rule of thumb is share stuff in ways that are lowest possible friction to you, lowest possible cost to you. Um, because then you'll be able to do more of it. And the more of it you do, the better you're going to get. So you're going to get deeper and deeper insights over time. So, you know, if you're having a phone call, if you're trying to like share stuff for free with people one-on-one, that's probably not sustainable. So you want to share stuff in a broadcast kind of way where the, the call it the production cost of the piece is as small as possible. So for me, that's like the mailing list. You know, maybe I spend 15 minutes to a half an hour every day writing an email. I send it out. It's broadcast to thousands of people. I reply to the, uh, I answer any of the replies. And a lot of times that turns into the email for the next day. So it, it sort of a, um, keeps itself rolling. It's almost like a perpetual motion machine. And then like also blasting that stuff out through automation to Twitter and LinkedIn uh, and wherever else I send it. I'm not even sure. I think that's it. Uh, then that's super easy, low cost. So it's not going to burn me out. That So that's the thing. It's like share, share, share. Don't hold back your big ideas. No one's going to, you know, even if someone does steal them, they're obviously stealing ideas. Therefore, they're not capable of coming up with good ones and they'll always be trailing you. So I wouldn't worry about that. The only mm-hmm. thing I would worry about when it comes to sharing and helping as many people as you can is to, is to do it in a frictionless, as frictionless and low cost to you uh, way as possible so that you don't burn yourself out. Well, I, I think where I was going when we started on that, it, it, I think it's an element of the marketing mindset, which is you see how to apply it to your business. And you gave a really good example of that, right? Why you don't want to answer questions one-on-one in phone conversations because you'll never have any time to actually monetize that. Right. But it's when you're, when you have a marketing mindset, you're always looking to see where you can pivot to be more effective and yes, make money. Right. It may not be in that moment, like, oh, doing this for free doesn't make me money in this moment, but it makes, uh, it, it creates, uh, I like your word frictionless. It creates ways for you to share that you're building for the future. To me, a marketing mindset isn't independent of a business mindset, right? Because oh, at the yeah. end of the day, yes, you want change and you're also running a business. They're, they're intertwined. Yeah, 100%. If the business doesn't work, the mission's dead. Yeah, you're, you're done. Right. Yeah. So there's another aspect to this that, that of the sharing thing 
and sharing at scale with like as many, you know, as your audience grows, can be more and more people, uh, which is that you can have, you're having more conversations or you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to have more conversations. And I know I just said I wouldn't have, you know, hour long, you know, one-on-one phone calls with people, but I mean like hour long type of, you know, uh, highly specific, non-reusable information. Um, but if you do have like, maybe for me, it's always like a quick email exchange, you know, like I'll send out an email and someone will have a, a follow-up question. It helps you find um, new pathways. So like having that, those like, you know, air quotes conversations is just like a quick back and forth. Um, Cause that's what you said that reminded me of this, which is that it, it helps you navigate and find more nuance and uncover, you know, new pains or new opportunities that people are struggling with, like new things to help mm-hmm. people with. Yeah. And you can just keep going down the rabbit hole. It's, it's probably bottomless. Like these, these rabbit holes are like, they seem infinite. Like, I don't know if you'd live long enough to get to the bottom of any one of these like typical, <laughs> you know, any kind of focus that, that a mass of people care about, you know, like if, if there's a, a million people that care about a thing, there's probably, you probably won't live long enough to get to the bottom of the rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, because the rabbit hole has all kinds of little twists and turns in it because it exists in a, in a universe, mm-hmm. right? Where stuff happens. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I think the other thing is, I, I want to make it clear that we're not saying don't have conversations. In fact, you know, I think about some of the best use of my time is the hour or two a week where I'm talking to somebody I didn't know before. And we're talking about a topic that we're mutually interested in. So it's not about a new business conversation. It's not about them hiring me to coach them or consult with them. Mm-hmm. It's about this, I, these ideas that we each have and how we're playing with those ideas in content, how we're playing them with, with our audiences and how we can help each other potentially with that. And that's a marketing mindset too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you record it, you can make a podcast. Out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I wish I had some of those recorded. Yeah. But yeah, but a lot of times what comes out of that is that we're creating content for, for the others. So it's, you know, they're coming on as a, as a guest here or, uh, or I'm going there on their podcast or on a video or there's a piece of content that they've asked or they've said, gee, can you videotape a 10 minute thing on this for my audience? It's those kinds of things. But sometimes all it is is that they, connect you or you connect them with someone else who's going to get them another step further in that journey. Mm-hmm. And that's time. And you don't always know it when you when you experience it. But that's time that I think is a good investment as well. And it doesn't have to be a lot of time. It's just a little bit here and there. So those conversations are important to have because that's how you're going to spread your mission. Yeah. So, so I do feel like so far on my mind, in this conversation, I've been thinking a lot about social media marketing and like email marketing and that sort of thing. Um, and not so much about networking or other kinds of uh, that, that sort of like, or outreach or any kind of one-on-one, anything like that. Um, but that's totally true. I, I spent, I probably spent just to give people context, like last night, uh, so I'm on the list of someone who's really big list, really high end list, uh, weekly list that that is launching a podcast, and we we were sort of pen pals. We don't know each other, but we're both Gen Xers and have a lot in common, and and we write back and forth uh, sometimes. 
launching a podcast and nervous about it. So I just said, Hey, you know, I've been podcasting nonstop since like 2011. If you have any questions, just hit me up. And he did. And so I, I spent probably an hour collecting a bunch of resources uh, to send back to the guy that I think will be really helpful. Ultimately, there has to be this calculation of like, how am I going to spend my most precious limited resource today, right now? How am I going to do it right now? What is the best use of my time right now? And you don't have perfect information. You just have to make your, your best guess. So if that means, you know, maybe you're in an exploratory phase and you just want to reach out to a whole bunch of people in a space and just be like, hey, can we jump on a bunch of phone calls? Uh, that might make sense if that's the phase you're in. If, you, if you're conscious, consciously and intentionally doing that, it can be super valuable, no doubt. My general rule of thumb is I try to connect with people with whom I have resonance. So the ones that I'm thinking of LinkedIn as an example, because I get lots of people saying, oh, connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'll normally connect with people unless their first thing is basically they want to sell me something. Mm -hmm. It's right in the connection request. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. But where people are, they seem interesting to me, like they're on a big mission. Or sometimes it's just that they live in a really interesting place that I've always wanted to visit. Um, and then I'll, I'll email them and maybe we strike up a conversation and a, you know, sort of an, an email style relationship. And whether that comes with a meeting or a phone call or not, who knows? But it's that it's really giving and taking. It's mm, yeah. okay. And it's okay to take. It absolutely is okay to take. Just be giving all the time and then it, it's okay, right? There shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel guilty about that sometimes we need help from other people and it's okay to ask. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way to put it. And you just, you just actually gave me a, a little revelation, which is as I was talking about, you know, somebody emailing me and asking for help and not wanting to necessarily to jump on the phone call with them. Uh, in the back of my mind, I was like, but I do do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And what's the difference? And I was thinking like, well, some people are really, some people are really rude and I'm, I'm just not going to engage with that. And some people are really polite, but it's, that's not actually what it is. It's that some people email me in a way that resonates with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I would click with this person. I can tell from the way that they, even if it's a, a written communication, I can tell that we're going to click. And that those are the people you're right. Like those are the people who I'm like more willing to engage with because it's like not to get too woo woo to use your term. <laughs> it's going to, the vibration is going to intensify like create a feedback. If you have a feedback loop, which is yeah. usually used in a bad way, but feedback is like when the sound goes back into the speaker and it's back into the microphone and it's like, it creates this incredible impact. And so the more people that you resonate with that you can surround yourself with the better so that, and that is exactly it. It's not polite or not polite. It's resonate or not resonate. Yeah. And, and just to, you know, really hit on this, resonating is about emotion. And we talked about emotional connection. And this is just another example. It's, I mean, who do you want to work with? When you go into business for yourself, I, I know an awful lot of people who set up a no assholes rule. <laughs> right. When they started, they're like, okay, I'm not going to work for anybody like that. I'm not going to have them as clients. I'm not yep. going to use them as contractors. Yep. No. So who do you want? Who do you want to spend time with? People right. you resonate with. And that's all about feelings and emotions. So, you know, no matter how technical you are, there's still feelings and emotions in this. And we want to surround ourselves with people who are good for us. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, help people you like get what they want. Yeah. Fundamental business proposition. I know. And, you know, we've all had it. Like you get an email from somebody and you go, ugh. You know, you just see that. And, you know, I had that um, not too long ago with someone who perhaps might have been wanted to be a client. And I just went, oh, no, no, I can't. (laughs) I can't do that. Could I help them? Yeah, maybe. But it's not going to be fun Mm. at all. It's just not going to be good. So it's... It's, so someone else would be a better fit. Yeah, exactly. And so it's all about, it's. I don't want to say it's all about, but um, just don't discount emotion. It's part of, uh, it, God, I'm stretching this. I sort of say it's part of the marketing mindset, but it, it is in the sense that our, our role as marketers is we want to create an emotional connection. And I'm going to argue that it should be a real emotional connection. We're not trying to do something with like false scarcity and manipulation, mm-hmm. but real emotional connection because they see who you are and they see the change you're trying to make in the world and they glom onto that. That's the emotional connection. Yeah, I don't, it's, it, I don't think it's a stretch and here's why. It's the opposite of spam. Yeah. Like spam's the bad marketing. And the opposite of spam is like emotional connections with the people you seek to serve, as Seth mm-hmm. would say. Yep. So it's abs- I think it's absolutely uh, on topic for this episode. Yeah, it's um, I, I, I just want to want to make sure because I do like to tie things back to emotions. Yeah. I think that the business of expertise, the business of authority, a lot of times we think about it all as being who knows the most. Who has the most knowledge? Who's written the most books? Uh, you know, who's the smartest? And I'm using that in quotes. And really, it isn't. It's about who do we want to listen to? Yeah. Who do who, we care about? Who cares about us? And we can feel that. Right. Yeah. And if you, if that's too woo-woo for you, dear listener, it's like who can I listen to that can actually help me? Like, what's in it for me? If you want to look yeah. at it from a little bit, yeah. a little bit more. We all do. We all look at that before we decide to listen. You don't sign up for an email, uh, an email series from somebody you don't want to listen to. Yeah, you just don't go around signing up for every 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 email opt-in no. that you see, right? You make it. You ju- make a judgment call. Mm-hmm. And you're like, is this? Does this language click with me? Is this something I care about? Does it seem like this person's going to present it in a way that that I like uh, or that clicks with me? So I, I guess you know to wrap up, I think. I don't know if this, this isn't really meant to be like a how-to episode. It's more about like, how do we think about marketing and what it is, what it's for? And and maybe a little, I guess we talked a little bit about how to do it in a way that's going to have the biggest impact and then like, which is going to increase the likelihood that it will throw off enough funding for you to be able to come back tomorrow and do it again. Yeah, I think it's just just agree that it's okay to have a little chip in your brain that says marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Good marketing, right? That that's not only okay, but it's wonderful. And in fact, it will accelerate how your big idea gets out into the world. And it will long term, it will accelerate um, the financial side of your business as well. Right. Cool. Okay, that was that was enough waffling, I think. Okay, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.